0: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, .com. You can listen to old shows there and even ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good 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 morning, Scott. Good morning, Scott. All right. Right, nice weather's coming, yet oh. we're still stressed. What's with this financial stress? Taxes, tax times over? Come on,
1: <laughs> it should be all easy right. sailing from here. Waiting right? for the refund check, uh, Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, it, the, the Financial Services Commission of Ontario, which is the FSCO, is a governing body in the province of Ontario that is really oversees all financial services, whether mm-hmm. it's insurance, whether it's um. Uh, financial investments, etc. So they have periodically, the last time they did a financial stress survey was in 2014. So we're updating this from about four years ago, and they surveyed uh, across Canada about uh, uh, about 1,100 participants Mm -hmm. to get a sense of where are Canadians in terms of their financial stress today in 2018. And the survey found that Four in 10 or 41% of Canadians ranked money as their greatest stress over health, work and relationships. Mm, yep. And uh, you know, it's it, as part of our job, and when you think about it, then we're, I mean, we're dealing at the forefront of people's number one stress. Yeah. And as I say, whenever you think about a financial plan, it really is about removing that stress mm-hmm. from you and lifting it off your shoulders. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. 51% of Canadians are embarrassed about lacking control over their financial situation. Which makes you just feel worse. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Compounds. Yeah. It does compound it. Is compounded. Yeah. And, and that embarrassment often holds people back from seeking help yeah. as well. Right. Uh, and so the, the, the basic concepts around that are, that that are causing that, I should say, are keeping up with the Joneses Mm. and that sort of level of, you know, needing to be at the same par financially or in terms of stuff. Um, and it also leads to losing sleep at night Mm. and how many people are literally, you know, awake at night and stressing over this Mm. is, is way too high. There's no doubt about it. So the it and this particularly prevalent in lower earning and uh, and younger Canadians with uh, those making less than eighty thousand a year were significantly more likely to be embarrassed about their finances and so you know it, not surprisingly because if you're young and starting out you you know it's a grind from the from day one yeah you're saving to pay for a house or pay down a house, mm-hmm. you're accumulating or trying to pay off debt and, and a mortgage, you're accumulating just to start to maybe build things towards education planning. So there's a lot coming at you and you really don't see any light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. for years. Um, and,
2: and you're right about the uh, the younger people. You know, it's it you know, 51% are, are embarrassed, but it's 70% for people between 18 and 34 ages mm. 18 to 34 yeah. such a large number there so yeah the millennials um, yeah the millennials are are absolutely taking a, a brunt of that one yeah. and I- income ha- plays a, a role and so these averages is quite interesting how the average is sometimes you know got to look at where you stand in that and the people obviously the ones that are a little older a 65 year olds only 34% are embarrassed Mm -hmm. but the the millennials it's it's double that number Mm -hmm. i'll
1: give the millennials a a pass there because as i said that you know when you start out and as i talked to so many people you know getting their first home or getting their first you know like you just don't have two nickels to rub together yeah so so financial stress is just part of it the 34 percent that are having financial stress at retirement that's, that's that's to me that's more problematic because they're at a point now where there's not as much opportunity to try and mm, fix it i yeah, mean yeah. it's never too late but it, it it is a little more problematic in 2014 Only 44% of us said that they were embarrassed about their financial situation compared to 51% today. So just in the last four years, we've Mm. seen quite an uptick in this. It may be a function of as we hear more about debt, you know, Mm -hmm. and how much consumer debt people have, and these are things that make them feel out of control as well.
2: And you're absolutely right. Look at how much the debt per person has gone up in the last four years. It's record levels. I know we've been on the show talking about this a few times. So. And it shows right here in this in, in this poll about how much they feel out of control now. And you, you watch the ticker of interest rates rising a bit, mm-hmm. and that's only going to add to these numbers. Yeah,
1: yeah. True. I'd be interested to do another survey <laughs> yeah, no a year or two from mm-hmm. now once interest rates have moved up a bit. And uh, almost half, 48%, say they lose sleep at night. And that is uh, very much higher in those 18 to 64 than those uh, or that are over 65 And women are the most likely to say that they've lost sleep. Now, when it comes to the provinces across the country, Scott, which province do you think said they lose the most sleep in terms of their financial situation? Ontario. Manitobans.
0: Really? Manitobans are
1: uh, staying up at night watching the jets and losing sleep. Oh
0: Winnipeg, this should and be right sleep This is it. taken before the playoff run. <laughs> they're spending way too much money on white. That's
1: right, <laughs> <laughs> on white.
2: <laughs> oh, having said that, that was Quebec was not included in the survey. Ah, uh,
1: that's so true. So we do not that's know
2: true. any of these statistics <clears throat> about Quebec. For some reason, they're not included, but we got the other provinces mm-hmm. in the survey.
1: About one quarter, 23%, feel pressure to keep up with their friends and colleagues. And that's basically the Joneses scenario. Mm-hmm. And millennials are even more at risk here in the sense that 52% of them are in that race to sort of from a career perspective and from, I think, measuring where are my friends relative Mm -hmm. to where I am right now.
0: Social media doesn't help that either. Yeah, that's a good point, right?
1: You're, you're, you know know what everybody's been doing and what you haven't been doing or you haven't been posting. Mm -hmm. And
2: And, and it's interesting because, you know, as you get older, I think there's that peer pressure. mm -hmm. People just say, ah, you know what? I don't care. Yeah, it's right. And you see that the over 65 yeah. Only four percent yeah. feel pressured yeah. versus fifty two percent eighteen to thirty four. Yeah. yeah, so massive difference, huge yeah. difference in yeah. simply on the peer pressure part. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Exactly, and uh, and eighty three percent of Canadians have at least one financial regret. Eighty three percent, and the number one financial regret is not saving enough not saving enough there exactly number one number two that, was Scott. wish wow wish they'd bought real estate and number three is wish they had uh done more schooling ah
0: uh, yeah that's yeah.
2: right i wish they had saved but also saved earlier mm-hmm. yeah it's not just enough Um yeah. starting earlier and how many times have we heard that over the years yeah oh i wish i met you guys 10 years ago yeah, yeah. you know yeah. where were you and and again it's just uh we try our best to put that message out for not only our clients but the mm-hmm. kids of clients yeah and their yeah, grandkids. Yeah, it's good to get
0: the kids involved.
2: And starting young and yeah. talking about this makes a huge difference and will relieve these type of stresses mm-hmm. as they get older.
1: And it's the savings crisis that we've talked about before. And time and time again, it's it really is, it's not a retirement crisis, it's a savings crisis. Yeah, and the ability yeah. for us to save and be disciplined enough yeah. around our finances is, is is so important. So there's, there's this real sense of uh, there's no control. I don't have any control. And And that's where obviously a financial plan is going to help guide you in this whole process. Most of us are fretting about money, and that's and what happens is it becomes an ingrained habit. Mm -hmm. And I can think back to clients that would um, that whenever there was financial news, bad news on them on about the stock market going down, they would be the first people to call every Monday morning, you know, or once a week, you know, just because. It was constantly on their mind, and it yeah. just became an ongoing habit. Mm-hmm. And the my goal was to try and shut it down. So I said, "The next time you feel this, I want you to take a step back and a pause. And if you've spoken to me in the last two weeks, you can't call. <laughs> nah, <that's laughs> you have to come idea. back. Yeah. Well, you have to wait one week. Sure. It's like that twenty-four hour cool. rule right. before cool you off. send it. Cool, cool off theory. Before you, you send an email, right? you
2: may not need it as much as you think. <laughs>
1: So the result of not having, it really comes down to the result of not having a financial plan in place. And the, and the key component to that, uh, as particularly in the millennials and actually at all stages is understanding where is that money, the money that's coming in every month mm-hmm. and the money that's going out every month. Mm-hmm. And you really need to, I think the number one solution is obviously to get expert advice, meet with somebody who is a CFP professional and begin to track and write down where money is going. Yeah. And and there was a, another part of the study which in speaking with um, a neuropsychologist, Dr. Uh, Summers, uh, when looking at the financial stress and what the impact is on that on our brain mm-hmm. is that when, we're not, when things aren't going well financially, we end up using a great deal of our brain power to figuring out and finding out solutions. Mm-hmm. So we begin to constantly think about it, and the amount of energy yeah. that gets put towards this stress yeah. has a serious impact. And, they, and in fact, they were able to study that if it's a prolonged financial stress, it actually leads to exhaustion and will cause a temporary reduction in yeah. your IQ yeah. hmm. and, that, and your problem solving capabilities and skills. Yeah. So it actually affects your work yeah. and creates this vicious loop. There is a, you're, now you become stressing about your job and work, and you're not as effective because of the impact of the financial stress that's happening in that loop going back and forth in your brain.
0: There was a, a study released not too long ago that said if you had a major, like a major financial hit in your life mm-hmm. uh, losing this, losing that, what have you, that it had a great impact on your health and wow. would actually shorten your life. Yeah, if you've you know yeah. had a situation where you were doing quite well for an extended period of time, everything was rosy, and then all of a sudden something happens to change all of that. Yes. And you and you've got a major hit, it 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 does it does tax on and you. And I
1: think it you know it, when you're younger and you haven't built Much in terms of net worth Mm -hmm. or savings at that point, you're, you're more apt to take on risk and, and be less worried about the entrepreneurial part of, Mm -hmm. of risk, whether it's switching jobs or whether it's, um, maybe going out into business on your own or striking out onto a consulting type of thing because there's less at risk. But once you've, once a a bit of infrastructure is built in around you, a spouse, children, a house a mortgage, uh, you know, and debts, and then responsibilities for retirement, for educating your kids. Now, all of a sudden your willingness to take on those risks and switching jobs is really diminished as well. And that can create a bad loop.
2: And it's interesting, you'd think that, you know, housing prices may have an effect on the stress mm-hmm. that people would have. So right off the get go I'm thinking well you know people from Vancouver would be f- yeah. pretty stressed out, people yeah. from Toronto would be stressed out. So Ontarians in general would be more stressed out or lose sleep. Yeah. And so when they came out with Manitoba, Saskatchewan, hmm. at 62% are losing sleep versus Ontario's only 47 and BC's 41. Yeah. It had nothing to do with housing prices. It's just um, as as Zanny mentioned it was more. I think is lack of a financial plan, and that's yeah. actually even more interesting. Is our head office investors group is in Manitoba, hmm. and they have a lot of clients in Manitoba. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so they, uh, I think they need. That's to it. Get we're more constantly
1: of, we're constantly hitting them with it. get a plan, get a plan, get a, get get a plan, plan for sure. So are, yeah.
2: interesting study, and and you know gender based How men are sleeping well. It's seven percent difference between yeah. men sleeping at night versus women. So. I think their synopses <laughs> are just cooking at night thinking about it, and guys are sleeping like a, you know, pretty good.
1: There are 18,500 CFP professionals across this country, and I think the number one solution to this is you need to speak to a CFP. And call us at Investor's Group because without a plan and something in place, that stress is just going to continue to eat away.
0: Financial planners and stress relievers, uh, we are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investor's Group Financial Services, Inc., 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. Call now, leave a message, they will return your call we're coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services Inc. Check out their website andyanddon.com. That's all one word andyanddon.com and you can call now and leave a message. Uh, message they will return your call at 905-529-7165. Talking about the inheritance and what to do with it. Yes. And... Is it ever as big as we think it is? <laughs> well, you know what?
2: Kind of it's interesting. It's it's not small potatoes. Um it wasn't long ago it was only a uh, I think it was like 2006, the average was about 65,000. Mm-hmm. And then a f- few years back, now it w- it's now up to 100,000. Mm-hmm. And I've heard now it's, it's getting close to about 150,000. And I have a feeling that has a lot to do with housing prices. Right, yeah. you right, right, right. Know, as they've been climbing up, um, mm-hmm. you look at 2006 to now, housing prices have almost doubled.
0: Yeah.
2: And so if you take the 165 and double to 130, well, you're pretty close just on that alone. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be the last asset people will sell. Yeah. It's like they'll cling on to that, and then maybe sell it to move into some type of assisted living, mm-hmm. which is a great plan. Okay, but at the same time, you know, hundred to say, let's say you got hundred thousand dollars, it's not, it may not be life changing. It could, it could have an effect on your life, um, depending on how old you are when you received it.
0: How big your visa bill is. Right. You know, that's, that's
2: right. <laughs> funny enough, that's my number one thing on the list is pay off credit cards. Yeah. If you've got credit cards, <clears throat> it is an absolute no brainer. You know, 19 and percent, 20%, whatever they are, get rid of them and do not do this again, okay?
1: It must be mm. difficult. I mean, if you're having, we're talking about financial stress in that last section, and, and if you are having a lot of financial uh, stress, and then you're looking at an inheritance as a solution to mm. that financial stress, it's, um, you know, it, it A... You don't want to be living in a world of, you know, waiting for yeah. <laughs> this to be the answer for you because you never know A, how long somebody's going to live and B, people can change your will because yeah. it is their will. <laughs> they can do what they, as they mm-hmm. see fit. So, um, uh, you know, again, coming back to creating a plan for your own guidance and your own reduce, reduce your own stress. If something like this comes along it should be a bonus. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and and right away you should be talking to a, a financial planner. Yeah, You know, uh, CFP as Andy just mentioned, um, they can make an absolute massive change on, on preps. What is the priorities here? Because a lot of people don't have that kind of money that all of a sudden lands on their lap. Yeah, They kind of whittle away, here's a thousand, here's a thousand, They you know, your paycheck, you save a bit, mm. you put it into kids' education. It's not like 100,000 or $200,000 sure. that all of a sudden is there, it's like a lottery
0: winning. Exactly.
2: And just like a lottery winning, the odds aren't good. People do the right things with them,
0: yeah,
2: and they often don't think of it as earned money. Like if they had got that money themselves and worked for it, put it away, they might invest it or, or Be a do a little things more careful. Yeah. yeah, but all of a sudden it lands on their lap. Say, wow, hoo hoo, and new, guess what? New truck. <laughs> <laughs> what is the average number of days until the, from the time they receive an inheritance to the time they buy a vehicle?
0: Wow, I bet it's ninety days.
2: 19 days
0: <laughs> 19 days
2: that's only because it took that long to pick the color had to come in yeah, exactly. okay right. yeah, yeah. it was
0: actually bought probably the it's next right. day it wasn't on the lot at the You're time. right yeah, yeah.
2: 19 days is the average time a vehicle is bought after a person gets an inheritance
0: Which is probably the worst thing you can
2: buy. Oh, it's, it's, (laughs) you know, it it was mind-boggling when I read that the other day. I'm thinking, wow, I didn't know there would be a stat for that. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, really. So so you look at that and say, yeah, obviously credit cards should be the first thing you should look at. But then the second might be, people often say, well, I'll just pay off all my debts. And that may not be the best strategy because... You know, have you looked at your RSP? You might have a ton of RSP room. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say a lot of people have well over $100,000 of RSP room. I'm not suggesting putting it all in and claiming it all in one year. Let's say you're making 85000 a year. Well, you might want to put 40000 into an RSP, it'd save you about a third of that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're going to get back about $13,000. Well, get that thirteen thousand refund. Mm-hmm. Apply that to your debt, yeah. and you still got that same money. You know, you still got your inheritance rather sitting in your RSP. Yeah. So RSPs, you can create a uh, kind of a strategy just around the RSPs and using that to still keep your money, but also paying down the debt. So tax refund can go against line of credits, car loans, maybe even your mortgage. But if they haven't do, if you if you're fortunate enough that you've looked after those, then look at the tax-free savings account as a viable option. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and so using a strategy between um, your RSPs, perhaps going into kids RESPs, mm-hmm. okay, and helping them through education. Um, if and again, you have to wait if they're over the age of 15, so 16 or 17, and you have not done an RESP yet you cannot start then you have the last day is when they're 15 Mm -hmm. okay and then you Mm -hmm. can carry that forward 15 16 17 but tax-free savings accounts great way to uh, you know multiply that estate so you got a hundred thousand you end up getting $30,000 back in tax over the next few years that 30,000 is now in your tax free savings account now that's growing for your retirement well you'd think you know what's the big deal about you know saving everything for retirement well it turns out that in Canada in 2014, 1.5 million people are relying on an inheritance to fund their retirement. Hmm. 1.5 million. And the average inheritance in 2014 was 100 grand. Yeah. So that's not going to carry a long way. And Andy and I were talking just off air. And you look at 100,000, and if you said, okay, I'll, I'll get an income from that. Well, take out, say, 4% a year. Well, that's 350 a month. It's not... You know, it's not chump change, but three hundred and fifty a month is not yeah. going to help your retirement too much. No, you know, people are already saying old age security isn't enough, and that's about six hundred a month. This mm-hmm. is only three hundred and fifty a month, and if you take out more than three hundred and fifty a month, you'll probably start encroaching onto the principal. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, get, grab get a financial planner, go through this, and I know I I had a client a lot long ago. It's two thousand and ten, and his mother left him and his sister half a million dollars. And they're both clients of mine. Mm -hmm. Each each half a million. Each half a million dollars. (laughs) Nice. It was fantastic. We went through, set down a a, a very complete game plan. Within a year, the sister decided that she didn't like this. That was no fun. That wasn't fun. (laughs) She wanted it elsewhere because, in in a nutshell, wanted to have less strings attached to that money. No gatekeepers. No, that's the the word. That's a good word. And (laughs) because otherwise... Out comes an email. Can I have this? Can I have this much money? I need this. They didn't. They wanted to self-direct and only mainly on the basis that they didn't have anybody to really watch over. Yeah. But the son, he kept it with me, and so in the 2010, eighteen thousand went for a car right away. Okay, (laughs) just like you said. I don't know if it was 19 days, but it wasn't long after. (laughs) I was just going through the list. Uh, Ten thousand for a school for his wife going back to school. 14,000, ah, just cleaning up some bills. 10,000 was miscellaneous. And it was interesting, as time went on, they no longer specified what the bills were.
0: It's all miscellaneous. It
2: <laughs> now became miscellaneous. So in the first year, 52,000 was taken out. 2011, no, I have to say the market was rising. They missed that downturn in 08, 09. So really from 2010, right till really now, eight years of pretty good growth. Mm-hmm. Um, they should be doing okay. So they didn't actually even touch principal in that first year because it made about 10%. But then the next year came and all of a sudden they started seeing a few things like a 3000 a 4000 a 6000 Oh, another car for $13,000.
0: Hmm.
2: 4,000, 4,000, 4, 5,000, and then just a, a general, 25,000.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, you we might as well take that instead of going back for four or five. Right, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight withdrawals that month. Yeah. On one of the 4,000, there was a note saying, I hope this is the end of all my withdrawals. The next month, one month later, out comes another 4,000. It, it was interesting. 64,000 came out that year. And now you're getting into principle. Yeah. Okay. 2012 came along and I, only, it, I, I didn't continue this all the way along. And another seven withdrawals and 43,000. Mm-hmm. All, t- all along the way, we had a game plan of doing exactly what we said about maximizing the RSP using TFSAs, which they were doing. They followed all this. But what had happened is the inheritance became part of their lifestyle. And they immediately, their lifestyle went up, but their income didn't go up, mm. just their lifestyle. And now they're getting, like I said, almost monthly money was coming out.
0: So the payments are going up.
2: 3000 a month um, is a lot of money. And like in 2011, or actually all these months, you're taking about 4000 after tax out every month. Mm-hmm. You would have to make, in addition to your income, probably about $70,000 at your job to do this. right. But, you know, I just kind of whittle this away. Um, these people that also maxed out the RSPs had tax refunds, went to fantastic years. Out of that $500,000, we are down to $30,000 now. Oh, what? Eight years later. Wow.
1: I thought you were going to say they got divorced and half of it went. <laughs> that one might have been cheaper. I don't know exactly. I don't, this might be the only time a divorce might have been cheaper because I don't know where all the missing. $500,000, 8 years, 30000 left. Right. Wow. wow.
2: With enlisting a me, okay, financial <laughs> trying planner, to be a gatekeeper. Trying to be a gatekeeper, writing notes. And again, wow. the notes became, there was no notes after a while. Yeah, yeah. It was simply lifestyle. So as much as it, it was heartbreaking, to be honest, from my standpoint, because I knew the mother very well and it really wanted to make sure that the kids were well looked after. If this person re- had this money and just left it alone, yeah. That five hundred thousand would be worth very close to a million, if not over a million now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they could have taken out say four percent per year, which would have been twenty grand a year mm-hmm. out. They still would have had about seven hundred thousand right now, mm-hmm. even wow. if they took out four four percent a year. Hmm. But what you what I really caution anybody getting an inheritance. Don't kill the goose that lays the golden egg yeah, yeah
1: this kind of comes back to the the argument you know and um, some and people will rationalize everything but if you particularly if somebody died young or youngish they're retired perhaps and maybe they they were in they retired at 65 they had you know 10 years of retirement at 75 they pass away. And so people receiving the inheritance you know in their mindset thinking well, I don't know how long I'm going to live. That's it. So I may as well enjoy it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is where, I know mean, a lot of times people will come back to the argument is, do I want to actually leave this much money in the hands of my beneficiaries directly? Do I trust them? Will they do a decent job? Or should I leave it in trust? Yeah. And leaving it in trust mm-hmm. takes the choice out of the scenario yes. because you can dictate how much they take each year. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it's kind of interesting you say that because statistically in the U.S., and I'm sure Canada would be no different, 70% of wealth is lost in the next generation. Okay, mm. so if you had a... Dang kids. $4 so million trust dollars is like an state?
1: insurance policy. Yeah. It anyway, is, totally.
2: Yeah. 70% chance it would be gone on the next generation. Yeah. If it gets to the next one by, by chance it goes up to 90% will be gone. Yeah. Yeah. So the legacy your grandfather left, yeah. only 10%, one in 10, will actually keep that money. Yeah. And then we're ta- this was actually, this article was talking about fairly wealthy people leaving, you know, millions of dollars, mm-hmm. not just, you know, 100,000. But let's, let's just take a look at as kind of a normal situation here. If you had a house um, that originally you paid 100,000 for, it's now worth 500,000. And a cottage you paid 100,000 for, it's worth 500,000. You, the person who leaves you money had a, f- a $500,000 RSP, And they had $100,000 in TFSAs. In total, that person's net worth would be $1.6 million. And you think, okay, well, that's pretty good. The kids would get $800,000 each. But then, of course, we get the taxman involved. Mm-hmm. So the house, there's no tax on that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. It's a tax-free asset. It's your principal resident. So that $500,000 goes right to the beneficiaries, no tax. The tax-free savings accounts, again, no tax. And the best part about the TFSA on, on top of the no tax is there's also no probate if you left direct beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to pay that 1.5% probate tax. Then those RSPs, they're all taxable. Mm-hmm. So basically it's a, as if that person passed, you say it was your parents died, there was a $500,000, that was their income for that year. They made 500,000, even though it may have taken them their whole life to save that. And that cottage, they paid they sold it for five hundred, but they paid a hundred for it. Yeah. So there's a four hundred thousand dollar capital gain of which two hundred thousand is taxable. So in the year of death, if they died January first, because this would not include things like their pensions, if they had a pension or OAS Canada pension plan, their income would have been seven hundred thousand in that year. Well, on seven hundred thousand, there is a three hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollar tax bill. For almost fifty percent is going to the tax man.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's part, partly is because this person didn't do any tax planning on trying to perhaps drawing down the RSPs, maybe trying to get the cottage sold before they died. Mm-hmm. Okay, passing on the next generation, doing it at a lower tax rates, spreading the capital gains over five years rather than hitting it in the year of death in one year. So what ends up happening? Well, so the kids, what they end up, they paying 337,000 in tax. There's also a probate tax of approximately $24,000 because perhaps you didn't put your home in uh, the kids' names before you died or you sold it and passed it on to them earlier. Um, your, your RSPs, you can go direct beneficiary with the RSPs. A lot of people just put a state and, and again with that, the probate is 1.5%. So the probate tax works out to about 24000 plus the income tax now you're up to $361,000 that has gone to the government mm. for really doing nothing, okay? They're just taxing you at the worst, at the highest tax rate. Like we've always talked about, that 53.5% tax rate isn't necessary for the rich. It's an estate tax. Yeah. Because most people are making under 100 grand all their life, paying far less than 50%. And now they're nabbing you in that time of death. Mm-hmm. So now instead of getting 800,000 for each, each child, each kid is now getting six hundred nineteen thousand five hundred each, mm-hmm. and the taxman gets a big part of that estate, practically a quarter of the estate, mm-hmm. just by being there. Yeah. So some tax planning could have solved that, and uh, you still can't get rid of all the tax. But even hey, if you could have saved even fifty thousand, mm-hmm. that would have been a win, mm-hmm. and the kids then would have got twenty five thousand more each. The government would have got $50,000 less. But so words of advice from a from a uh, when getting an inheritance invest this money as if you earned it yourself Mm. okay don't think of it as your gambling money pay off your debt and stay that way think of this as your get out of jail free card yeah you got out of jail i'm never going to go back in debt again and and do that splurge as a one-off so the person i was describing it ended up being part of their lifestyle Mm -hmm. it's like part of their income but if you said They're okay, splurging every month, you're, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it wasn't even a lot. Like I said, lots of little ones. Well, that becomes like
1: yeah, yeah. income yeah.
2: rather. I'm going to go to say Disney, and we're taking all the grandkids on a trip. Mm-hmm. There's 20 grand. We're going to just blow one big one for, yeah. and that's it. Right, right. And then keep the lifestyle the same afterwards. And number four, continue to save. <clears throat> okay, almost assume you didn't get the money. Mm-hmm. Forget you owned it, and keep living the same lifestyle. Put money away. Talk to your financial planner. And, and make a really good financial plan with this added to it. And then, finally, think about the next generation again hmm. and how you can pass this on in a tax-effective manner.
0: We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165. They'll return your call and take a peek at the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can listen to old archive shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. All right, we're talking about essential capital versus surplus capital. Sounds what exciting, does this, doesn't it? What does this
1: mean? <laughs> let's say you're retired Mm -hmm. and let's assume that you had a financial plan created to look at your retirement goals etc but the question is are you maximizing your happiness Mm. and the problem that we see today is that most financial plans are not designed to answer the question what else can I afford to do Mm -hmm. and so in ch- in general what we see is you know we you a plan gets built and it looks like oh you know what you can retire your money will last to age 100 you're good to go and so everybody thinks all right i've got a financial plan off we go i'm retired now but suddenly things come along now in building towards retirement, and I remember recently in the last several years, so one client, uh, and this is often something I build into a retirement plan anyway. And we were talking about vehicles, mm-hmm. but that retirement vehicle. Yeah. Everybody has in their mind, you know, I want to retire, and this is the vehicle I want to have as my retirement vehicle. So in this case, it was a yellow Corvette that a nice. gentleman wanted to buy. How
0: old was he? And
1: he was he was uh, I sixty. Thought
0: I nice. thought you were going to say school bus.
1: <laughs> a yellow Corvette. I didn't particularly like the color, but a seventy thousand nice. dollars was the was the purchase price for the Corvette. And so we built that into the plan when he and retired. They
0: do, and they hold their value. Well, you know what,
1: because he only drives it in the summer, it's a convertible and so it doesn't get a lot of kilometers and he still has it today. So this is going back about five years ago Mm -hmm. and he's 65 now and uh, still loves his yellow Corvette, but it was baked into the plan right Mm -hmm. away. And that is maximizing your happiness, yeah, right? Yeah. Be, but he knew that he, they knew that they could afford to do it and mm-hmm. she didn't begrudge him having mm-hmm. his yellow Corvette. And, uh, so recently I had a client who are getting, they're getting ready to retire and, uh, so she's on the verge of retirement a bit older than him and he's probably going to work for a few more years, but they have decided that they want to buy a condo in Aruba. Mm-hmm. And the cost for the condo is somewhere around 300,000 Canadian now. A lot of times I'll get questions where people will come back from their holiday in, you know, Turks and Caicos, they've <laughs> fallen in love with it and they want to buy a place. Sure. And I'm thinking to myself, well, let's just uh, take a breather here, a step back. But in this case, these people have been going to Aruba for the last 10 years mm-hmm. and they've been going to the similar place, they know where they're renting and what the options are. So they know that they'll and they're planning to spend 6 months In retirement in Aruba every year if you ever been to Aruba and I've been there once Mm -hmm. it's fantastic I mean the weather it's below the hurricane belt so there's no issues around hurricane the weather is like 28 every day with a slight breeze and sunny So yep, it yep. never changes. It sounds, it sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good. I would, might get a little bored. you need a little winter in there somehow or an ice storm or two. And, uh, <laughs> no, no,
0: no, no, not at all.
2: I think there's a whole lot of listeners shaking their heads right
1: now. <laughs> no. I can't see them, but I know so they are. are.
2: No, a windstorm
1: maybe. Mm. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, but as I say, most financial plans really tell us that you're going to be okay. You can live to 100. You're not going to run out of money. And that's important. But I guess really the questions are, Now, like, can I afford to take a few very expensive vacations? Can I afford to spend a 100000 to remodel my kitchen or our kitchen? Can I afford to give the children a down payment to buy their first home? Can I afford to give more to charity? And so these become more about maximizing your happiness Mm. than just knowing "Eh, I'm not going to run out of money. And so when we create the plan, the, the process begins with starting with the estate goal. So if you thought about the end of life, and let's say you have two children, and you said, I'd like to leave each of them 250000 And we've been talking about different inheritance <coughs> amounts, so mm-hmm. I'm just using this as an example. So you need five hundred grand left over. So the first thing I want to do is we want to assume lower returns. So just in general, let's be cautious and not try and shoot for the stars here. So we'll assume something reasonable and conservative in terms of rate of return. We're definitely going to assume that you're going to live longer. You know, mm-hmm. instead of age 90, we're going to push it out to age hundred. And then we're going to look at the result. So let's say at the end of all that, your figure comes out well. you've got 800 grand left over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so conservative returns, you're going to live to age a hundred, uh, et cetera. And, and now what do you do with that 300 grand? So we can run some scenarios where we basically assume that that 300 grand has come right off the top Mm -hmm. out of your net worth. And now you rerun the figures. And so you starting, if you started with 2 million and you want to give that, uh, you know, 100 grand and you're thinking there's 300 grand left over, take that right out. We're going to start with, you know, let's take an example. So let's say you decide I'm going to spend that 100 grand on a kitchen. And I want, we want to do three $33,000 trips. So big trips, whether it's fam- everybody in the family or an extended trip, so the total's two hundred grand. So instead of starting with two million as your beginning net worth, we're going to start with one point eight million, and now we're going to see what does the resulting estate look like. And as long as the resulting estate at age one hundred shows that you've got at least five hundred thousand mm-hmm. left over. Then you can make that plan to spend the money and and give it away or give it away, and so I think at the end of the day it's really about you don't want to just live a just in case retirement as yeah. we often call it uh, or underlive, mm-hmm. and really the goal is can we can we maximize your happiness and give you some realistic strategies around how to spend that money and and be okay and comfortable with it.
0: A yellow Corvette would make you happy, wouldn't yeah. it? Uh, we have been, or we are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services Inc. Call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165, and look for the website at andyandon.com. That's andyandon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services Inc. Check out the website, AndyandDon.com. All one word, Andy and Don. Don.com. as well. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165, and they will return your call. Talking about transferring stocks,
2: yes, you can transfer stocks to your tax or savings account. So this is something that's I've come across recently where a client had had some in, individual stocks. They've been holding them for ages, and they thought, well, you know what? Why don't I just transfer the stocks? directly to the tax-free savings account. Mm -hmm. And uh, that way any dividends I get, I don't have to pay tax on them anymore. Mm -hmm. So, and right now the limit, lifetime limit for tax-free savings accounts after all these years of adding them all up is Mm 57,500. So if you've never done a TFSA, you can actually write a check right now and put Mm 57,500 right into your TFSA. And that would be the limit. So these stocks that person bought, He paid 27, and I'll just use round numbers, 27.5 for these stocks, and he wants to max them out and put the whole 57.5 in. Well, that would make a $30,000 capital gain if he were to move them. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, we're just moving the stocks. So why do I have to pay a capital gain? And it says, well, it's no different like moving stocks to your RSP. It's like you're selling them and then rebuying them when you put them into. You're either your RSP or your TFSA. Right. Both are registered money. So I looked at it and I think, well, it's still probably worth it. Well, you know, I d- I've never actually gone through the numbers before. So I saw here, said, well, let's say this person earns 75000 a year. So now that capital gain would put that, Any he's 65 years old, let's assume that that would affect his old age security because now he would have clawed back some of this. So first of all, on this fifteen thousand dollars taxable, on the first ten thousand, there would be thirty one hundred and fifty dollars tax on that, and there would be another twenty seven five, sorry twenty seven hundred and fifty dollars. There would be thirty four percent tax on that for nine hundred thirty five dollars. Why you might say is you know that's only twelve thousand seven fifty. The reason is they'd also end up losing twenty two hundred and fifty dollars of old age security. Hmm. So in total there's $6,335 tax bill for transferring all this money over to their TFSA. And I'm saying, okay, well, it still might make sense. So let's take a look at the, and I wanted to compare the two. Let's say they left it in the stock or they put, kept put the stock into the tax-free savings account, assuming it earned 6%, 3% dividend, 3% growth. Well, now you don't have 57,500 in the tax-free savings account because you have to pay a bunch of tax. Mm-hmm. So you really start off the tax-free savings account with 51165 And if you wait it out for 10 years, you'll end up with 91600 in the TFSA. In 20 years, they'll have $164,000 in that tax-free savings account, all tax-free. However, if they just simply left the money out of, out of the TFSA and left it not there, just didn't sell it, it's sitting on the side, and it's still earning the 6%, but now, you do have to pay income tax on that inc- on the dividends every year. So, it's tw- 2.77% instead of the full 3% dividend, and you still get the growth. So, your return isn't quite as high because you have to pay income tax on the dividend every year. So, instead of 6% gr- div- uh, uh, growth, you're getting 5.77% growth. Well, in 10 years, your money just left, a, if you never heard of this, TFSA just left alone would be worth 100 grand. That works out to $9,100 more than if you put it in the TFSA. Mm. You're actually better off after 10 years. Well, I assumed, okay, well, there'll be a catch up period and therefore later on, the TFSA will pass it. It turns out in 20 years, you have 176,000 um, and it's now a 12,500 difference. So actually it gets bigger mm. by you would have been better off not selling the stock and putting in the TFSA. And that's because you got a bigger base. Mm-hmm. You still got the whole 57.5 making money versus the 51,165 making money. And for this has got to be the only situation I've come across where a TFSA does not make sense. Mm. It's all you know, I had to actually normally I would have thought, well, it still probably works out in the long run to do this, but it doesn't. And so the the only time this would actually have been any benefit. Is if you would be avoiding clawback, old age security clawback on those dividends year after year after year after year, mm-hmm. and he was right at the threshold. So down the road it, he might have started getting over the seventy five thousand and getting clawed back. So it might have still made sense. Um, the other part to get around it is I find a lot of people around sixty five to seventy still have a lot of RSP room mm-hmm. because they it really didn't make sense to to maximize it and they didn't use it all up. Well, here's an opportunity if they had a leftover RSP room to maybe use up some of that RSP room to avoid that big tax bill of $6,335. It works out to a 42% tax rate mm-hmm. um, because of that clawback. So it's, you could use that RSP room, okay? And the other part of it is because it's growing tax-free in the TFSA, um, versus the non registered just sitting there. If your estate's gonna be quite large at the end, you may be avoiding that 53.5% tax bracket hmm. at death. So for an estate planning tool, it still might make sense to use the TFSA. So you gotta really be careful on your personal situation. Um, to see if it makes sense or not. And again, you gotta go through the numbers. And that's what we did in this case Has gone right through the numbers. But some people say, what if the stock was losing money? At least I get a capital loss. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, had I paid $60,000 for this stock and it's, I'm gonna put the 57.5 in, I'll just transfer and get the loss. Uh, interesting enough, you don't get a capital loss. Mm. It's the same rules as when you transfer a, a stock in a loss position to an RSP. You don't get to claim the capital loss. And this all comes down to that 30 day superficial loss rules where you have to sell the stock and you can't rebuy it within 30 days. Right. Bottom line is the government wins on the capital gains side. You have to pay the capital gains, but you don't get the capital loss. Hmm. So before you do any stock trading into your TFSA, make sure you talk to your financial planner first.
0: We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Check out their website at andyanddon.com, or you can call and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Scott. Scott. Have a great week.